0: Hello and welcome back to Fish in the Percolator, a Twin Peaks rewatch podcast. I am one of the three hosts, Eric and <laughs> I'm Sarah.
1: I'm Lily, apparently. They say. They say I'm Lily. I don't know. Who? I mean, I like to call myself the great crab. Who <laughs> Who who
2: dares call you Lily? <laughs> you're,
1: the,
2: you're the you're the moth cub.
1: <laughs> That's true. They should
2: respect that title. Don't do these name crimes to <laughs> to our, our 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 dear friend here. What are folks? What are we here to talk about?
0: <sighs> Twin Peaks, I think, right? <laughs> <laughs> or the Great Crab? Something. Oh, mm. let me ask a leading question. Uh, to get us a little back in the twin peak zone Mm -hmm. um right out of the gate in this episode who do you think stole the show
1: i think nadine
0: ah that's interesting i have a i have a quote from nadine in my notes because there was the line by god those things will be quiet now yes (laughs) and i thought that was the most beautifully sinister line Like, it is so threatening. It was so clever. I loved it. I just loved (laughs) that.
2: I love, I really love Nadine as a character. Mm. She's so just, just very, she's so bonkers. She's the kind of character you would not expect to see in a television show. (laughs) (laughs) And that's exactly like, she's such a David Lynch character. I
1: love the kind of the the blend of this like innocence and kind of normalcy with this like very um frenetic like ecstatic kind of mood changing behavior i just love everything going on with her yeah
0: she's got a kind of like there's this trope of like scary people with mental illness but like there's a kind of like non-specific got something going on like vibe that a lot of lynchian characters have where they're just like stressed to the point of like like coming a little unhinged and i feel like nadine especially like in that line with that scene she's like yeah do you know what i do you know what i thought of at 4 a.m when my husband was in the emergency room cotton balls (laughs) it's like like, oh man don't mess with her. Oh boy.
2: And she yeah, and she has super strength, right? Like it's yeah. so it's so weird. I she, think we don't find I out don't, until next
0: I, episode, but yeah, she she can just met, like bend a whole metal bar with her hands like.
2: And that becomes more of a thing as time goes on. <laughs> yeah. I love I love I love her. She's a character that gets uh, a lot of hate, but I've always really liked her. Who I think yeah. Stole the show, uh just for me is Audrey. Hmm. Mm. Uh, in in the first scene where she like the so Cooper does his little exercise routine, his upside down sort of yelling at Diane, vaguely hinting <laughs> that they had sex at one point, <laughs> and yeah, uh, goes down and gets coffee, and Audrey sits down and. As she's walking up, Cooper's like uh Yeah, like giving his breakfast order and like and the thing is like I want grapefruits, but only if you have those grapefruits and he looks over and he sees Audrey Horn walking up and he's just like
1: freshly <laughs> just as squeezed. As those are freshly <laughs> squeezed. Yeah.
0: And then insert the like noise of like Homer Homer Simpson drooling. Yeah, he's <laughs> oh. such a horn
2: dog. And 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 Audrey Audrey sits down and she's I she, heard every single one of her lines is a an innuendo. She said, mm-hmm. like, do, "Do your palms ever itch?" Oh my like
3: god. Oh my
1: god. <laughs> yeah, and Come I can on. feel myself sinking into the floor the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, like I was a bit I was a bit bothered with like the Norwegians uh lusting after her in the previous episode and this one like I'm just like I see Cooper doing the same it's big I wish I had a spray bottle hours like just like <laughs>
3: ch- ch- No. Bad Cooper. Like. Well the
2: thing is with Audrey, she's she's very aware of how sexy she is. Mm-hmm. Like how, how people perceive her as sexy and she knows how to weaponize that. She's yeah. very manipulative yeah. in the best possible way, in my yeah. opinion. Well I mean because of uh, that, that's... like
0: you're you're right, like she does steal she like she is a show stealer just in general, like I remember, think, like, since probably the first first ever time I saw it, she was one of my favorite characters. I think she's a lot of people's favorite.
3: Mm.
0: Yeah. So for me personally, who I felt stole the show, like, I didn't... Um, I mean, I, I kind of had a couple of picks, but it, it boiled down to the villains. Like, I just mm. felt like this was, like, big, big hours for the villains in this episode. Yeah, that's like, that's true. It, it's, like, Catherine and Ben plotting in their secret lair just like casually planning a fire like that's fine um <laughs> and like leo like sells being like a real piece of shit like you know there's that like awkwardness of him trying to be sort of like um like dominant and horrible and there's like something there's something about that awkwardness where like the things he's saying sort of contradict like themselves in that like he gives uh Shelley the shirt to wash and then it turns out that like you know he needed to hide that shirt, obviously, because it's covered in blood, um, and it's like stuff like that where it's just like that. There's that awkwardness to it, but you don't want to like laugh at it because he's scary, like he's a, a horrible guy, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I, I thought yeah, Catherine Ben yeah, Leo. There's sort of this big villain time.
1: Yeah, there's sort of like this weaponized stupidness with Leo.
0: Yes, mm. yes. Which is similar to Bobby, right? Like, Bobby, like, kind of has a yeah. bit more of a heart of gold or whatever. But it's kind of like when he's horrible, it's the same energy.
1: Yeah. This yeah. weird kind of
2: parallel. Yeah, I, I th- yeah. It seems like a, a lot of the like the villainy of this show is hinged on uh, misogyny, mm. where like. Leo is his his main thing is that he's he's an abusive husband who's a drug trafficker, and a sex trafficker as well, yes. as we find out eventually. Mm. Um, and like with uh with with Ben Ben Horn, he's he's this like lecherous old man who sleeps with underage women, yeah. uh, and makes a business of of sleep of like recruiting underage women Mm. and uh every every negative male force is like on some level associated with misogyny
0: yeah Uh, yeah that's interesting you say negative male force as well because what i was going to say to that was like as i already complained about like cooper's there's cooper's lecherousness in this like mm -hmm. episode two and when we get to season three there are the sort of split Coopers, right? So that we know that there are sort of aspects to Cooper. He's not just like an out-and-out out good guy. Like there's sort of an evil one and a good one. And like, that, you know, and like, yeah, I think, like you say, like every negative male force relates back to that, to there's misogyny yeah. there. And like, so the downside that you can see to Cooper, and actually something I was going to say about him as well was like, episode, the, uh, the pilot, like I really... Was shocked at like what an asshole he was. <laughs> I was just like really surprised, <laughs> I, and I thought like, oh, they really changed that character from episode like the next episode onwards, and um, like actually, no. Watching this episode, I kind of realized it's a it's an arc. He actually he actually gets more acclimatized to the town, and yeah. as he knows people more, his his lecherousness is definitely something that kind of like he's still being a bit of a dick, and then he'll be nicer like later in the episode he does something that's really quite like endearing i think (laughs) you know he's got the little whistle and he does the Mm. like one more thing very like e3 Mm. presentation to um (laughs) to bobby and mike like they're trying to leave
2: yeah yeah to bobby and mike
0: Mm. yeah
1: one little detail I really like um, also, which I think kind of fits into this, is like the shot where you, you see Leo's truck and it says Big Pussycat. And it's like that.
3: <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. It's
1: like obviously comedic, but like it's such an interesting contrast With like, you have this clearly very horrible, yeah, awful, abusive husband. <laughs> who has that like thing on his truck that's his big pussycat. And then you have <laughs> Cooper who's like very much um especially going forward, like it's presented in, in this like endearing, kind of quirky, sweet guy mm. almost type of way. And he has these, mm. you know, creepier parts to him. Yeah. And it's like there's a yeah, nice kind absolutely. of back and forth with that in a way.
0: <sighs> yeah.
2: Leo, this is something I didn't we didn't talk about with the pilot that I always want to just scream about is like after after the pilot they change Leo's hair to make him look more like what you think of as like an a a roided up like (laughs) abusive trucker husband. But in the first episode in pilot, he 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 looks like an emo scene kid. Oh yeah. Oh, he's yeah. got he's got that like twirl of Little, like, of, tumble of, of, hair, of hair, hair that's like a like, different color. It's like if yeah. if you went on DeviantArt super... and
0: you found someone's drawing of like the Joker like from someone who, <laughs> who was writing slash back about him like that's the hair they'd give him. Um,
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> a detail I really liked was the um uh, I I I yeah, I mentioned it before but like the phone call they They're doing something fantastic with, like, every phone call that Lucy has to take. Like, it's not just Lucy's delivery, although that is great. Like, the the character is great. But, like, the phone calls keep being funny in and of themselves. Like, she's like... Yeah. So, (laughs) describing, like, the the windy noise from... Like, that's how she Mm -hmm. knows it's from far away. Like, that's fantastic. (laughs)
1: Lucy continues to be... Me and the singularly most me person in the show please take a look at her sweaters and oh I'm god I'm like that's me those are my sweaters i need them
0: yeah i love her she's just she's just a treasure
2: yeah lucy is like lucy and um deputy brennan are both such charming characters that they're they're like they're often made fun of as being dumb and you get characters like Albert who make fun of them for being mm. dumb but like um they're they're so they're not they're not stupid they're yeah they're they're very emotionally intelligent and just they're just they're just quirky i don't know i i i love them so much they're yeah, so they're, so
0: much the heart of this show well
2: like,
1: yeah, and they get like they ground things so much in a way
0: that I think there's like there's Lucy and Andy are, are really presented through like a surreal lens where they're like very ordinary people, but they are, but there's like there's just a twisted perception of them. I think um, mm-hmm. it's a little like how like I've I've always thought like I've always found it curious how like Gary Larson, for example, draws just the the average person as, like quite rotund. Yeah. Um, or like quite goofy looking no matter what and it's just like similarly it kind of feels like Lucy and Andy are just incredibly normal people Uh, and then by contrast everyone else is like a a drama character like an extreme character and like they're just like what kind of meant to be like what boring ordinary people are like I love the scene um, I forget where it is but like when it shows them in their bedroom you know like and she's like uh, is she, like, playing with, a like, a paddle and ping-pong ball? And he's, like, mm. playing with a sa- set, like, he's playing the saxophone or something? And <laughs> it's, like, very clearly, like a, like, a surrealist, like, this is them banging. But, like... Yeah. And then, like, later they say, we were just about to go to bed. And then, you know... I don't know. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's just, like... It's just... A painting of a totally ordinary life done by sort of abstract expressionism.
2: There's a uh a quote one thing we have to get to here is this is the episode in which uh Pete says yeah. those fateful words. Oh it's
0: all downhill mm. from here.
2: Yeah. And <laughs> uh they, they they hit it out of the park and then they just continue to drop the ball for the next uh twenty eight episodes. So we're, we're in for we're in for the long haul here. Um but uh the so of course Pete Pete has his fellas, don't drink that coffee <laughs> moment. Uh, uh so the uh director of this episode, Dwayne Dunham, has a quote in um Reflections and Oral History of Twin Peaks mm. about this. So In episode one, there was a fish in the percolator that came from a story where my wife and I had taken a trip with our young kids. She poured some tea for me. In the middle of the night, we were driving down the desert highway, and I went to have some tea, and it tasted funny. I couldn't figure it out, but I knew something was wrong. Maybe we'd changed brands. Then I sort of poured some more into the cup, and this one-inch piece of bloated hot dog poured out. (sighs) One of my kids must have been sitting on the counter while the tea was steeping. I guess they dropped a hot dog in there and it cooked itself. Oh my sometime God. during the editing of Twin Peaks, I told David that story. And sometime later, that scene showed up and Pete had gotten the fish and the coffee.
0: <laughs>
2: so based on a true story.
0: <laughs> That's splendid. Well, it, it has so much like the energy of something that like must be a true Like, you know, it... <laughs> it's just like, where did you arrive at that detail from unless it was just like... <laughs> I love that I love that though I like the idea of the hot dog yeah, like like cooking like itself were, in the hot tea
1: like you were saying um before about how David Lynch like just takes little pieces of of mm. strange little things that are, that just have this like they they have to be real
0: mm-hmm. yeah like funny or scary like mm. it's just it's all observational. Yeah.
1: I want to point out the, um, in my opinion, the best line in this episode, <laughs> and, uh, and and perhaps the most relatable one of all, um, when Cooper says, I really need to urinate.
0: <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah. And then Harry <laughs> just keeps chewing his donut for like a solid like 30 <laughs> seconds after and then eventually swallows and the scene just ends. Like, yeah. Yeah, I loved that. That was fantastic. Yeah. No-
2: yeah that whole scene is so good because everybody's eating donuts yeah and they've got their mouth full oh, that's, that's the yeah thing. harry three for three <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: there's like a there's like a, a gustative realism to twin peaks it's just like the there's just food is so like described and present all the time yeah every time
1: like every time there's like so many donuts and it's like simultaneously funny but you're also like wow i I'd love to have a donut right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm
2: I'm trying to I'm trying to drop my cards and there's a Dunkin' Donuts literally like Ooh. two minutes away, like, like within within like if I if oh I boy. were an Olympic baseball player I could pitch a ball so far <laughs> like I could I could I could throw a ball over this place.
0: It says uh... and I
2: just like. Every time I see that 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 smorgasbord of donuts, I'm just like, God, I want yep. all of them. Yep, there's a
0: there's a there's a crispy cream in the local Tesco to us. Oh, it's mm. yeah, it's tough. It's oh tough. God, you
2: have a you have Krispy Kreme in UK. I'm always surprised to hear what brands are. There's in. a Krispy yeah, Kreme
1: pretty near to me as well, so call we that wow. in common. Yeah.
0: Is your one <laughs> is your one a standalone store or is it just in Tesco? Because like I, I we don't generally. It's a
1: standalone store, yeah.
0: Oh, okay. That's Come rarer. I'm... Like usually they're just in other places. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Th- I've only seen like one Dunkin' Donuts ever in the UK. Wow.
1: Wait, there is one. What?
0: Yeah, it's on Baker Street.
1: No way. I didn't know. Next that. time you're gonna hang
0: in Regent's Park. learned new donut off, info. Get a get a <laughs> get a damn fine cup of coffee and a donut from Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> I mean I don't know if Welcome you Welcome to a
2: Fish in the now. Percolator Duncan Donuts podcast. <laughs> that's what this is. That's what this
3: is.
0: But That's what I mean like that's what I mean about the food so- being so present in Twin Peaks. This is an inevitable detour like in this episode it starts with a damn fine cup of coffee and then there's the fish in the mm-hmm. percolator like l- later in the episode it's it's food is like crucial to this, you know, and like some of the some of the best lines just like revolve around it um you know uh hard on the arteries but old habits die hard, just about as hard as I want those eggs. It's like... Oh, he
1: says
2: hard so many times in that sentence. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Bacon cremated. Yeah. I
0: want
2: want the crispy. Like, I want want the bacon black. (laughs) You have terrible taste, Cooper. Yeah, seriously. And his... Yeah... The, there is, like, a, an element of if if I were a server and dealing with this guy, I would absolutely hate him because, <laughs> like, he's one of a million people asking for coffee. Mm-hmm. She goes to pour the coffee, and she starts mm-hmm. to walk away, and he's like, wait, hold on. Yep. He takes a sip, and then he's like... This is a excuse me, this is a damn fine <laughs> cup of coffee. And I I just imagine her just being like, All right, cool, thanks. Yep. Yep. We we get we get the coffee in little packets. We open it up and <laughs> we we make it every morning the same yep. way. It's You're enjoying being
0: really near pine not- trees. You're not enjoying the coffee, my dude. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Cooper is like so fixated on food all the time. It's kinda like he's on a different Plane of existence, like he's in the food realm. <laughs> like, um, he's but Homer also, Simpson. like,
0: <laughs> yeah. This is my continual fan there's, there's theory. Like... Cooper is actually Homer Simpson.
1: <laughs> I mean, let's go there. Let's absolutely go there. Um, but there, there's a couple of references with food where he kind of like it's connected to death in this interesting way. So, like when he's when he's talking about the bacon, he says he wants the bacon cremated and then mm. and then later on he's saying they got a cherry pie here that'll kill you
0: kill you yeah <laughs> yeah I was thinking about that especially in relation to like his arc of like adjusting to being in the town because that was another thing I'd underlined is like he's not being sensitive to the situation like yeah, yeah it's yeah. not okay to just like joke around about killing people when like this this girl that everyone knows and likes has died like,
1: yeah, yeah, and and like yeah. he's constantly excited about pie, and like to the point where he's not taking in anything else. He's just like <laughs> food. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he does have the metabolism of a bumblebee, yes. allegedly.
0: <laughs> there you go. That is true, though. That is a, that that is a, like a pattern of of morbid food references. I think it's one to keep an eye out for.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh no, I... Break. I'm your host, Andy. I hate most things, but I try
2: not to let that get in the way of me enjoying my life, and I'm Evan. I
0: love most things, and it really
2: makes me enjoy my life. I'm Ronnie. On our podcast, Ending Pending, we talk about television shows that have only lasted for a single season. they like canceled show investigators. That spells CSI. Yeah, it's it's like a bit. That's a bit. Yeah, it was like a joke there.
0: We go episode by episode to find out what's working, what's not working, and where it all went wrong. And it's not just bad shows. Sometimes we do really good shows. Yeah, like Kings. Yeah. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. And The Quest. Ooh, love The Quest. Yes. Good choice.
2: Excellent show.
0: And Selfie
2: oh no 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 that was a bad bad.
0: bad. we didn't like that
2: you can catch new episodes every wednesday on lunarlightstudio.com or wherever you download your podcasts ending pending is it working for you oh yeah well i want to tell you two about a couple of podcasts on the lunar light studio network Yeah. podcast. Uh, first episode, uh, first thing that I want to tell you about <laughs> is Good Boys Girls. Good Boys Girls is hosted by Blue and Haley, and it's a show where these two gay girls talk about shows on the the McElroy family. Oh. So each, uh, every other week, they talk about like uh, 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 McElroy shows, so like My Brother, My Brother and Me, or uh the polygon shows, uh whatever. And it's a good fun show. Blue and Haley are exceedingly funny and cute and gay together. That sounds neat as uh, hell. Yeah, it's very good. Uh they had me on their show once to talk about uh what did we talk politics probably. It was after my video about the politics of the McElroys, so probably politics it sounds nice. about right. Politics uh, what <laughs> Yeah, what's po- what's po- politics what? and podcasting.
0: Politics has uh, been we, banned in the UK. I'm afraid we shut it down. Oh
2: no! Yeah. Uh-oh.
0: After the th- I'll, I'll, the, the, I'll incident. the
2: incident. The uh, incident. We don't talk about the incident anymore. Well, you can find Good Boys Girls on the Night Studio podcast every other Friday, and on the LuminariteStudio.com or wherever you podcasts. You know where the places where podcasts gets. So, that's a sentence I just said. The other podcast I want to tell you about is Artificial Ghost Radio, which is hosted by Miles and Mars. Artificial Ghost Radio is a show where your lovely hosts talk about music, and they usually do it around a theme, so they pick some songs based on a theme, and then they talk about them. They play snippets, and they'll often have guests and uh, do weird, fun, little jokey gag bits. Uh, it's a good, fun, wholesome show that's very much about, like, feeling good about the world for once, which I think we can all uh, get behind, especially after the, the incident. incident. <laughs> and um, you can find Artificial Ghost Radio every single Saturday on the Lunar Light Studio network.com <laughs> or wherever <laughs> you get your podcasts.
0: That's the end of the outbreak. another note I had was that uh going right in after the very funny like intro with the you know and I, I need to urinate and Harry's still eating the donut like right afterwards they go and talk to Donna's dad, and he's like done the autopsy or he's assisted on the autopsy on Laura Palmer's body. <laughs> Yeah. And it's incredibly sad. Like, this is something that, uh, Lily, you were especially interested in, like, this balance between, like, just the emotional, emotionally kind of devastating realness of it, and then there's like, really yeah. funny bits. It really just, like, like, I don't know how you don't get this, like, emotional whiplash between these two scenes, because, like, it is really sad, like, this... Town doctor who knows everyone and basically like birthed every young person. Like you know he's yeah <laughs> he's like the the doctor who birthed every young person in town, and like yeah yeah it's 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 awful, it's so upsetting. It it really is, and
2: I the, the, I think that the show is is always trying to keep you on your toes, and this is it's an interesting case here because. Um, on this episode David Lynch wasn't really involved beyond the script Um, Lynch was going went off to shoot Wild at Heart at this point and then he came back to do the next episode Okay. Um, and so there's a lot of, of what I was paying attention to with this is trying to see people like adjust to not necessarily having his influence and sort of trying to imitate him to some extent right um there, and and in interviews all the writers who worked on the show consistently talk about how a uh, an hour-long television script for what they were used to was like uh 60 to 70 pages but in an a episode of uh twin peaks was 30 30 pages because there was so much more time spent on empty space and like pauses and scenes had to drag on for way longer. Wow. So there's this like interesting adjustment that's going on where like that, that's such a direct uh, contrast where it's going from this very funny scene to immediately uh, here's Doc Hayward uh, uh, running over the, uh, the 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 autopsy. It's very. I don't know. It's it feels like it's like this episode, all over the place, is trying to be disarming as much as possible.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. totally.
1: I think that's really well represented, in the um the line when uh, Donna says to her mum, "It's like I'm having the most beautiful dream and the most terrible nightmare at the same time."
0: Oh wow. yeah, that was a tremendous scene
2: oh i actually i i should say that the person who really steals the show for me is uh, the actress who plays donna because donna she's so good her every time her performance in this in this season is just Mm -hmm. i i feel so bad for her every time she's on screen (laughs) when she goes to visit sarah palmer Absolutely, and, yeah. And Sarah sees Laura's face. Oh god. On on Donna's face. It's and yeah. and Sarah just starts like screaming cuz she sees Bob and oh, Donna's just god. like like holding up her arms just like crying like, "Oh no, what have I done?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your husband gave me one job and I couldn't even do that.
3: Jeez. Yeah,
0: yeah it's you're so right. And I mean talk about disarming like that scene mm-hmm. especially so like what do i do with this i think donna uh especially has to be commended cuz she has to act romantically across from james <laughs> and she, oh boy is she the one doing the work there <laughs>
2: he's he's doing his
0: best
2: he's he's kind of a kicked puppy no. that man
0: i uh, um i'm going to i'm 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 i will return to this point but uh con- converse to who steals the show who politely brings the show back and puts it where it was, uh, is James every week. <laughs> <laughs> like, Laura says in her, like, tape to uh, uh, Dr. Yes! Jacoby, like, he's he's sweet, but he's dull. He's and it's like, oh, so boy, dull. is he ever. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, in In season sweet, three, doesn't he just, like, not speak? Like... He's just like had a non-specific accident and he's just it, you know James doesn't talk anymore. Yeah, he basically doesn't talk.
2: I think he talks like once or twice. But yeah, he's basically just there and and it's basically characters looking at him and they're just like, "Nah, James is cool. He's always been cool." Did
0: and I it, Did I tell you about the uh letters to the editor complaint that my friend told me about? where somebody said there's a continuity error in which somebody says that James is a cool guy, but this is inconsistent with all the episodes in which James is not cool. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> uh,
2: Devastating. <poor> yeah. <laughs> um, so there's there's a couple of uh, lines of dialogue that I want to run through here, just because uh-huh. they, they're... Uh, really interesting to me. Um, uh, when Josie gets off the phone and she goes up to uh, Cooper and and uh, uh, Truman mm. and just says, "What is shenanigans?" Oh yeah, yes. that was delightful. Like, that's such a it's <laughs> such a, it's such a cute little line, and I like that that. <laughs> Uh, I can't remember if it's in this episode or the next one, where she says, uh, "On top of the morning to you." Oh, yeah. Yes,
0: <laughs> it's this one because Josie and Pete just as a as a pairing like mm. that's one of my notes. Like they're just delightful. They just fill me with joy nonstop. I would I would happily watch a whole show that was just them. Um,
1: <laughs> when Josie says, "What is shenanigans?" I, I I have the strongest feeling like this is meant to represent. Us. Like, <laughs> like this is the viewer like can you imagine like her saying th- what is shenanigans I, i'm like do we as, as viewers do we really know what is shenanigans
0: <laughs> <laughs> well again i feel like this is one of these like observational things where you you it's it's so okay to me i get the strong like uh, like impression of somebody watching jeopardy okay and then doing <laughs> and then doing like the answer like buzzing in what is shenanigans and then and then david lynch or whoever just going like that's pretty good i when i have a non-native speaker character be like what what is shenanigans you know that's a really funny like um
1: i'm gonna tweet what is shenanigans right now
0: (laughs) please do it um do it i (laughs) i now now
2: Dear listeners, you can go through Lily's Twitter feed and find exactly when we were recording this episode. There you go.
0: It's an interactive interactive percolator (laughs) experience. Um, it was that she says to Pete, "On top of the morning," and he says, "No, the expression is top of the morning." And then, like the next line, she's like, um thank you for standing up to me with Catherine. With her, Which yes. is exactly inverse to what she means to say, and he doesn't correct because, like, you know, you don't want to, like, correct someone too many times. I just thought it was, like, so well done. Like, so, like, I don't know, it just felt so organic and real. Uh, I don't know. They, yeah. Like I said, they were just, they're just such a delight yeah. all and the time.
2: There is a, uh, there's, there's a question of whether this uh, very, very cute, like, Mis- misunderstanding of english is affected on some level mm. because uh if we're if we're suspecting everybody there is this like <laughs> machiavellian thing going on here where again we did open the very first episode with josie's face yeah and true. it was her looking in in a
0: mirror true
2: creating this sense of like doubling and mm-hmm. this like, duplicity yeah. What is this? What is her what is her real face? What is Shenanigans? I, yes. What is Shenanigans? <laughs> who, who who killed Laura Palmer? <laughs> um but before we get to that actual question though, I do want to say like there's the scene with uh Bobby and Major Briggs and Bobby's mm, mom Wow. there 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 B- Major Briggs is is giving one of his patented Briggs speeches. Oh yeah. And Bobby takes out a cigarette and Major Briggs just hauls back and slaps the ever-loving mm-hmm. shit out of that little punk. Mm-hmm. And they do one of the best uh, editing tricks, which is they they match on action with the slap on Bobby's face as, as he, like, slides from one end of the frame to the other. And then they do a whip pan uh, from a separate angle yep. onto uh, the mom's, like, cake or whatever with the yep. cigarette in it, yep. which creates the perfect sense that, like, he slapped the cigarette out of Bobby's mouth and into that, and it's like just like editing wise, that's great. Yeah. Which Dwayne Dunham is also an editor, and he was editor through. He's been an editor for years now. Uh, okay. Uh, got his start on Twin Peaks. He won a Grammy for his work on on Twin Peaks, actually. Cool. Uh, is not Grammy Emmy? Sure. Um, <laughs> one of he he won a statue for it. Somebody just, gave him a just, statue for just it. Just
0: tell us lies, Sarah. We'll believe you. It's cool.
3: Okay.
2: Um. <laughs> and I I love the relationship between uh, Bobby and Major Briggs mm-hmm. because we, we're still very much in this feeling of, like, Bobby is this kind of inhuman character to me in, in, in how much of a bully he is. And, like, his he's just sort of... I don't have much to add to my, my feelings about, uh, like, the the weirdness going on with Bobby beyond the fact that there is a contentious relationship between him and his father Mm. and, and his parents and Bobby is obviously feeling crushed by, uh, uh, their, like, I guess, conservative Christian lifestyle. Uh, I do want to point out though, a, a weird bit of synchronicity that I noticed is that, uh, Bobby's best friend is Mike Nelson, and the two major like evil forces of this show yep. are Bob and Mike.
0: Yep, 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 yep.
2: I had actually never noticed that before. Oh, really? So that's sort of... Been, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's that was something I've wondered about a
0: long time, yeah. yeah. Especially them, like, ho- when they howl uh, at James. It's just, yeah...
1: Um, i I wanted to briefly talk about the the very beginning because uh, the the music and especially maybe with the like panning over slowly to Cooper's feet um mm-hmm. it's like it sounds like sneaky pink panther music time like the pink panther <laughs> is definitely gonna solve this crime yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then we like see the sock suspenders and I'm like, okay, so what's the significance? Of uh, Cooper having his uh, little sockies held just right. <laughs> <laughs> do you,
0: Do you have a suggestion for the significance, or? You... <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just just an open question that I'm gonna uh, build, you know. <laughs> Please email us every um... every episode. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. I I also like yeah the construction of that intro was really good. I I agree.
2: I really like uh, Donna and um James's date mm-hmm. at the end where mm-hmm. where he comes over for for dinner and there's just this I've I feel like I've been on that date before like when I was in high school where go over to the girlfriend's house and she has like her parents are older and very christian and very formal and you're like awkwardly dressed up and yes. it's it's this whole like uh, I love Eileen, just like, we have um, we have soda, we have uh, lemonade, and we have sparkling cider. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just... Should they, I don't know, there's just like this homey, sweet realness to it that's... I love that this show spends so much time building up these little
0: uh, urban spaces. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, yeah.
2: Yeah, just, it just feels like a a family home and there's this awkward detachment like uh dr hayward and eileen don't necessarily know what to say to james yes and i I don't know there's not the like it's this isn't a fucking joss whedon show there's no like clipping or weird like (laughs) uh like (laughs) Jokey japes, like, yeah. all right, let's let's, you know, it's it's just it's awkward, but it's not like cringy. It, it there's just it, there's right. this ineffable quality to it that's very urbane, and I love it.
0: Sometimes people can just be nice, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, yeah, as you say, contrasting to Joss Whedon. Like, it, sometimes people can just be friends, like, it, it's yes. cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree completely. When when James and like. I was thinking kind of the converse to what you're saying about building up those urban spaces. Like it is very cozy and that's also what makes the like threatening nature of uh, Bob work so well, because when you keep on being shown the thing of him crouching at the foot of the bed or lurking in the mirror, it kind of creates an un- underlying sense of unease. Like when uh, James and Donna in the next episode, like kiss, uh, I was just, like, looking in the background of the shot, like, oh, God, is he there? Is he there? Like, it's just, like... (laughs) It was just this wide, and then it also cut to another wide I then noticed, which was, like, Cooper's room. I mean, now I'm talking about the next episode, and I shouldn't. But um, it's just, like, generally, they have a lot of those kind of wides of, like, the the rooms, and, like, shows you the house that they live in. And it's, yeah, the same was true in the pilot. Like, one of those flashback shots was... From the bottom of the stairs, uh looking up the stairs, and it just sort of showed like the whole of the landing and the whole of the staircase. But like you get a really good sense of everybody's houses. Like they're just constantly yes. showing you loads of yeah.
2: Oh oh, there's one more thing that I have to, to bring up that always has bugged me about this episode. Sure. Is um uh we get a moment where we see the uh the the tape that is Laura and Donna playing out mm. in the field that James filmed and it's just like a close-up of the TV as it's playing and it's sort of in slow motion and it, it it's disconnected from any <laughs> diegetic motivation it's yep. just a thing that we cut to mm-hmm. and th- there's weird there's like non-diegetic music playing over it <laughs> and then at the end of it as we're zooming in on Laura Palmer you hear Laura say yep. help me <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I I still to this day don't know what the fuck to do with that. I, because yeah. It, it it is like we do see that there is some level of like Laura trapped in another space in, yep. in the black lodge later on, but like it's still I don't I I just don't uh,
0: so you no. have a you, you so you you yeah I mean as you're saying there you you have a kind of diegetic answer in that she is trapped in the nether space in the black lodge and you find that out later, um, but taking this episode by episode like I so I I have also similarly in the past been annoyed by this um, I actually have a like I I had a thought watching this episode which was kind of like in the uh, flashback James and Laura talking um her like her dialogue i don't know that it was adr on but it had this quality of being adr on like it it just mm-hmm. felt like it just didn't really sit on her mouth very well like um yeah not like it was just unsynced or anything like this but just like it was a good dub um even if it wasn't like they you know maybe they you know they recorded it in a in a like actually in a sound stage but it's meant to look like it's outdoors and there's just no ambient noise it's just like there's something deliberately dreamlike and um, like the internal monologue sort of sound to yeah. um, Laura's speech in that in that thing and therefore kind of like that's kind of like one of the only times you hear you know you don't hear her speak that often And what I wanted to say about it was just that, like, yeah, it it creates a certain effect, like, to do with, um, I think, linking the viewer to the character. I've tried to, I I tried to draw off this when I made the short film with Lily earlier in the year. Like, um, I really liked the the way that Lily um, dubs over herself miming to things. And I deliberately, you know, used that for her character in in our film, like... Because it's kind of this very invasive thing. And I was actually thinking of of Twin Peaks and Laura Palmer specifically when I, like, thought of it. Because, like, it's just, like, if a character is talking to you, but but it doesn't feel like they're diegetically producing words with their vocal cords, but instead, like, the sound is just sort of there. Like, it's very Mm -hmm. invasive. And I think, like... I still don't entirely like this help me bit like it's still quite yeah bothers me a little too like in what <laughs> world is she saying help me and to who but like yeah but at the same time like there is something where Laura Palmer's like practically every time Laura Palmer ever speaks is in a weird space in some way or other that's directly like fed to the audience that's not connected like properly connected to just her doing the human process of talking and that makes her kind of on this other like ethereal level
1: yeah, and you start to get a lot of that stuff coming forward where it's like it blurs what twin peaks is
0: yeah exactly I, there's another example later in the episode of course because like jacobi listening to her on the tape that's another example mm. of her voice that is not connected yes. to her speaking at the time, like it's her recorded. And again, it's a very, it's a clean recording. Hmm. When did she record it? Did she record it in her in her house with like 90s consumer electronics? Because it doesn't sound like it. It sounded like she, you know, how yeah. her words are clean and it's like her thoughts. So that's the kind of point I'm making about this intrusiveness. It's like without the messy human process of speech or sound, her thoughts have just been beamed directly into your head, and I, I, that's right. some, a touch I really love about Laura Palmer. She's her she's psychic. Her thoughts just go straight into your head. It's really creepy. Yeah. Um,
2: Interesting.
0: Yeah. Hmm. I'm not sure it goes it goes somewhere exactly, um, but it's you know one to keep an eye on. I really yeah. It's it's a touch that I just really love about the show, in general. Yeah.
1: Yeah, The only other thing I Had was like Just like the sheer uh, Reaction Of seeing Bob Oof. Like it's so He's a scary so boy Effectively scary and you get these like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know just yeah. kind of flashes oh, and, and you're just like Oh no <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah People have that meme of like People have that meme of, like, this is what you see when you have sleep paralysis, but Bob is actually what you (laughs) see when you have sleep paralysis. Yeah, like, it really
1: occupies that feeling, exactly.
2: (laughs) I don't want this greasy boy at the foot of my bed.
0: (laughs) I ordered a different greasy boy. Please send this one back. (laughs) Yeah, so um, if we have nothing else, I'd like to ask the question... Who killed Laura Palmer?
3: Hmm.
0: And just to be clear, if you were watching this episode, you know, first time ever, back in the day, and you had uh, suppressed any hints of like Bob, the obvious demon, um, <laughs> <laughs> then which of the characters, uh, yeah, killed Laura Palmer?
2: My obvious uh, leap would be Leo, mm. because we we get the there's a the suggestive cut like uh straight to leo whenever they're talking about who who killed her mm. uh and then shelly finds his bloody shirt that's a very and good point and just generally he's a he's a bastard <laughs> and like yes y- 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 i mean he he puts a, he, he makes a flail out of soap and a sock goddamn and Puts on a royalty-free uh, uh, rock blues music, yep. and just goes to town. Like it's he—he's—he's a—he's an absolute sh- shitbag bastard. Oh who yeah, He's sucks. Could 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 kill a human person. Oh yeah, uh, probably has, mm-hmm. and can just definitely like. I I I want I want a scene between him and Cooper where <laughs> Cooper just like tears him to shreds
0: and then so you can feel
2: Yeah, (laughs) gives him a wedgie, throws him in a locker. Yep, that sounds
0: Um, good I like that (laughs) Lily, who killed Laura
1: Palmer? I would say say the same I mean Leo's definitely kind of fed to us that way in this episode and I think that when I first watched Twin Peaks that was kind of my I mean I already knew the plot to some Mm -hmm, extent mm -hmm. um but i i think that was the strongest person throughout that i was like oh he like he's the bad guy you know so that's kind (laughs) of yeah it's an easy one i guess
0: i think uh being a needless contrarian here um (laughs) so last week at the water cooler right we all work in in an office we've come in uh you know (laughs) chatted episode by episode um Sarah, you know, last week you told I think it was you told me this wild outside theory that Cooper was the guy. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
0: And I was like, you know, at, at the water cooler, I was like, this is ridiculous. Nah, no way. This week <laughs> I am fully on this on this wagon. It's him. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's the killer. Absolutely. You know, he's he's come from out of town. He he knows about all these other murders of these of these teenage girls, right? He's so like jokey about death, and then like he sees another teenage girl as well, Audrey Horn, and he's just like horny immediately. I'm like, oh, yeah. this guy is bad news. Yeah. I have another candidate, yeah. which is uh, Benjamin Horn, just literally mm. just the casualness of how he talks about yeah. setting a fire he's just like well we could set a fire and it's just like well you could just kill someone then couldn't you like <laughs> um those are my two candidates but yeah well, i just um, want to
1: report as um uh i've had some responses to my what is shenanigans tweet and i would like to share with you uh the one that came from britney saint which said Shania Twain's kid.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So this has been (laughs) fish. Okay, now I'm going to do it. I can be a good podcast host. Let's do this. Uh... (laughs) Okay. So, this has been Fish in the Percolator. I'm Eric, I'm at Curio Rambles on Twitter. I'm
2: Sarah, and I'm at HMS no Fun on Twitter.
1: I'm Lily, and I'm at CubMoth. Bye for now! Farewell! Watch out!
0: Gustative realism. You can email us your comments, questions, and suggestions at fitpacast at gmail.com. That's F-I-T-P-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Or follow us on Twitter at F-I-T-P-C-A-S-T. We are hosted by the Lunar Light Network. You can support us through their Patreon by going to patreon.com slash lunarlighthq and picking our podcast when you sign up.
3: Lunar Light Studio. Pretty, witty, and gay.